The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. from Washington, D.C. every Wednesday from 3 to 4 p.m. for an hour-long Generation Progress takeover. Check us out at genprogress.org or on Twitter at genprogress. Hello. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Generation Progress takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm your co-host, Edwith Theogene. And I'm your co-host Charlotte Hancock. Hi, everybody. Hi, Edwith. Happy Happy New Year. I think we, can, <laughs> I, as we said, we think it's okay to say Happy New Year. Uh, you know, in the month of January. I know there's some debate, but we think you know Happy New Year in January is okay, right? Yeah, I read somewhere that you're not supposed to say Happy New Year past January seventh, but I feel like there's so many people you don't see and so many things happening. So I guess we can sort of table that debate as it is decided here right now. Right still here, okay. right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's also a bunch of debate that's happening um, on the Hill. Um, as you know, if you've listened to our shows in the recent months, voting rights protections are desperately needed to protect the integrity of our democracy. The situation continues to get more and more precarious Um, According to data from the Brennan Center, at least 19 states passed 34 laws restricting access to voting in 2021. And, you know, one law restricting um, access to voting is one too many. There are even more bills waiting in the wings. More than 440 bills with provisions that restrict voting access were introduced in 49 states in the 2021 legislative sessions. So meanwhile, Congress has struggled to pass desperately needed federal voting rights protections over the past year, with Senate Republicans repeatedly refusing to even open the floor for debate. Thankfully, um, Senator Schumer and President Biden have indicated that voting rights protections are a main priority for both of them in the new year. And the Senate has dedicated much of its attention in 2022 thus far to passing the Freedom to Vote Act. Um, with a self-imposed deadline of Monday, January 17th, which is also Martin Luther King Day. Um, Activists and organizers across the country are calling on the Senate to get the job done. To talk more about the Freedom to Vote Act and even the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act and actions being taken in the lead up to the MLK deadline and how voting rights reform could impact the upcoming 2022 midterm elections, we're joined by two expert guests. Um, our first guest we have is Catherine Rowland, the Legislative Affairs Director at the Progressive Caucus Action Fund. Hi, Catherine. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining. And we are also joined by Jamal Holtz, the lead organizer for the 51 for 51 Statehood campaign. Hi, Jamal. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining. Um, so we're going to jump right to it. So, Catherine, to start us off, can you tell us a little bit about the mission of the Progressive Caucus Action Fund and tell us about your role as the Legislative Affairs Director? 
Yeah, absolutely. So the Progressive Caucus Action Fund, or PCAF for short, is a 501c4 nonprofit that is working to unite progressive stakeholders around common goals, to build infrastructure, and to fight for policy changes that make a real difference in people's lives. And as the Legislative Affairs Director, I work with my colleagues to help demystify Congress and the legislative process for partners in the progressive movement and to make sure that they have the tools necessary to advocate effectively for the things that are important to them. Um, And I also take part in that advocacy and urge Congress to enact progressive legislation. Great. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Catherine. Um, And then, Jamal, same, same question for you. What is the 51 for 51 statehood campaign and how did you start getting involved in the work? Yeah, 51 for 51 is a statehood campaign um, that's focused on making DC the 51st state with 51 votes in the Senate. Uh, We started this campaign, uh, I know, right? No filibuster. Uh, We started this campaign uh, as young young activists in Washington, DC uh, over nearly three years ago. um, And and we said if 51 votes was enough for Mitch McConnell, to confirm three Supreme Court justices, then it should be enough for democracy and advancing the voting rights for uh, Washingtonians who don't have a right to vote uh, in their uh, United States Congress and Senate. Um, and, and that's what our campaign is centered around. It's a national campaign. Um, and that when we started this campaign, it was about getting presidential candidates to endorse our mission and our goal uh, and, and creating a true uh, a plan and pathway for uh, statehood uh, as it's the only path valuable. And, Three years ago, when this was when the talking about the filibuster was a touchy filly subject, uh, we were told that it was unconventional. Uh, it, it's now in the status quo, uh, and, and we see that the filibuster is stopping us from reaching true progress for all voting rights reform. Uh, and, and that's what um, a lot of the synergy around uh, uh, voting rights is it's coming now. Way to shift that Overton window! Congrats. <laughs> awesome. All right. Uh, So voting rights have a huge priority for many activists and organizations over the past year. Like I know at the beginning of last year, um, a bunch of organizations were like, we're we're doing voting rights first because like this will help us on so many other issues. Um, And this month, uh, both President Biden and Senator Schumer have made passing voting rights legislation their their biggest priority um, for 2022. Um, Catherine, as a, a little bit of a refresher, can you tell us some um, about um, one of the bills we're talking about here today currently being considered by the Senate? Um, can you tell us more about the Freedom to Vote Act? Yes. So the Freedom to Vote Act is a really bold and transformative package that aims to realize the promise of our democracy. And that means getting big money out of politics, protecting access to the ballot box, and guaranteeing that congressional districts are drawn to give fair representation to everybody. So let me zoom in on a couple of the key pieces. The first one is voting rights. The Freedom to Vote Act helps to dismantle barriers erected to keep Black, Indigenous, Young, and New Americans from voting. So I'm talking about eliminated polling places, targeted restrictions on voter registrations, overt voter intimidation. In state legislatures across the country, as you mentioned, the same politicians who tried to overturn the will of the people in the 2020 election are now trying to rewrite the rules so that only people who vote for them can cast a ballot. And those are the kinds of attacks this bill will combat. 
Second, the Freedom to Vote Act tackles corruption by curbing the influence of big money in politics and holding our elected officials to higher ethical standards. Third, this bill will make sure that fair districting happens, preventing partisan gerrymandering so that we can make our communities whole. And I can talk about more, excuse me, talk more about that shortly. Um, and finally, the Freedom to Vote Act would protect our elections from partisan sabotage and ensure that trusted local election officials count every vote. We just passed the anniversary of the deadly January 6th insurrection against our capital. And right now, as I mentioned, those perpetrators are trying to make sure that their next attempt to overturn an election succeeds. And we cannot let that happen. Wow. That, you, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, like, you packed so many things into, uh, like, there's so much awesome stuff in that one piece of ledge. Yeah, it is. Um, and I thank you so much for covering all the details of all the good things that the Freedom to Vote Act could, um, you know, bring about for all of us. So we only have a few minutes before break, but uh, Jamal, can you tell us, like Martin Luther King Day is less than a week away. Can you tell us a little bit about the push to pass voting rights legislation by this particular day? Yeah, I mean, as, as the King family has outlined, um, it, it's it's truly no celebration without legislation. And, and that's what they want their father's holiday to be focused on, is, is not to celebrate, uh, uh, it, is that we're gonna celebrate the, the the volume of his holiday, then we must do so uh, by urging uh, vote for voting rights and living up to Dr. King's le legacy. Uh, and as the King family outlined, Congress has delivered for bridges and now it's the opportunity to deliver for voting rights. Um, and, and while we've invested tons of political capital and power and, and trillions of dollars into our bridges, roads, and trains, that's important. Uh, but the King family said it's now uh, important for voters uh, to demand that they uh, that we pass national voting rights legislation and deliver for our democracy. Uh, and that's what this upcoming weekend and uh, Martin Luther King Day is going to be about. That's the day. It's a day of action to call on President Biden and Congress to end the filibuster and deliver on voting rights right now. Yeah. <laughs> you go ahead with. I think we're actually like 30 seconds to break. So, um, I mean, it seems like, yeah. We'll come back then and talk a little bit more and dig into why this Martin Luther King Day is specifically important and why voting rights um, is such a huge priority for us. So once we get back, we'll be able to dig further with Jamal and Catherine. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I am your co-host, Edwa Theogene. And I'm Charlotte Hancock. Welcome back. Um, welcome and, back. <laughs> and today we are talking about voting rights, the Freedom to Vote Act, and Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, we're joined by Catherine Rowland, um, the Legislative Affairs Director at the Progressive Caucus Action Fund and Jamal Holtz, the lead organizer for the 51 for 51 Statehood campaign. Welcome back, Catherine and Jamal. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello. I, yeah. Thank you. I was like, are you still there? 
Um, so before we left off, we talked a little bit about the importance of the Freedom to Vote Act. And Catherine, you went through all the different um, pieces and elements of this really historic bill. Um, why do you think it's critical and important that uh, Congress is, you know, creating a deadline to try to get it through the door? I mean, I think given the the severity of the tax that I talked about, um, it's particularly important that we get this done. But there's also sort of a deadline created by the fact that this is not just a midterm election year. It is the first midterm election to occur um, since the last census and since states will have redrawn the lines um, to create new congressional districts that account for the way our population has changed over the last 10 years. Um, as I mentioned, the bill would prevent partisan gerrymandering, including in maps already finalized by the states for 2022, and allow for quicker court consideration of maps that are challenged under this new law. So it's super important that we get this done quickly so that when folks go to vote in November, they can do so with fair maps in place. Awesome. We're excited to dig further into that and talk more about redistricting later on in the conversation. But that definitely lifts up um, the urgency of now in this moment. Yes. And Jamal, you talked a little bit before we went on break that about the importance of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, especially for activists and for the King family. Um, Martin Luther King Jr., part of his legacy was fighting for voting rights. He played such a, a critical role in the Voting Rights um, Act of 1965. So for you, Jamal, like how is the fight for civil rights and voting rights connected? And what can we take from the civil rights movement of the 1960s into this current fight for voting rights? Yeah, I mean, the, the fights are the fights are similar, but we, we also, again, to highlight the urgency of this moment is now because we can't continue to count out days where there are people being dis disenfranchised day by day uh, and being stripped away from their right to vote. And, and that's core to our democracy uh, because our democracy is, 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 is as good as and it's going to last as long as we want it to be. And it's going to be as good as we want it to be as well. We, we've never seen a democracy last this long and be this strong um, as most democracies have on average lasted around 200 years, unless we're talking about the Roman Empire. But the, the next four years of the decisions we make in the next four years of this democracy in this democracy would determine now our democracy for the next 40 years and what that looks like as we are a 230 year old democracy um but i think the connection to the uh to the civil rights movement and now uh, is that they're, they're very synonymous is just now it's it's not as outright um and that folks are taking legal measures as they did in the 1960s to prevent people from African-Americans from their right to vote. Uh, from the Civil War to the Jim Crow era, um, we've seen the filibuster block popular bills to stop things like uh, uh, lynching, to, to end poll taxes, and, and to, to fight um, um, fight workplace discrimination, all those things that kind of pushed us, pushed us, that, that attempted to push our country back uh, and not really help us move forward as a, as a true uh, democracy. And we're seeing those things now. We're seeing the Jim Crow relic, uh, all the things that were built out of the, out of the stain of the civil rights movement uh, uh, being ref uh, refreshed now. Uh, and I think uh, we, we can't continue to count out days where folks um, where folks are where folks are being uh, where the vote, the vote, the vote, the right to vote has been uh, um, 
uh, diminished because it's all rooted into racism and subjugation, uh, uh, racism and power and, and control uh, is that uh, there's a strategy to remove a certain block of people from their right to vote. And that was the same strategy in the 1960 was to remove a certain block of people from their right to vote, uh, to, to be a power grab uh, and, and really uh, stop us from reaching true reform. Yeah. And I know that we talked about earlier that there is something that Congress can do. So recently we saw Congress pass the big infrastructure bill, which was monumental. Um, so we saw that the administration and Congress use their political power and will to get that through the door. And right now people are fighting for us to actually move forward with the Freedom to Vote Act, right? We want to see Congress and the administration use their political will to get that through. So to, to push that forward and make that happen, Jamal, what are some of the actions that are being planned around MLK Day this year to further the fight for voting rights? Yeah, I mean, on January on January 17th, um, on January seventeenth, we're leading up to uh, to the to MLK Day. Uh, we'll host the the King family will join DC organizers to host the Peace Walk um, uh, to to walk in peace, but to urge Congress uh, to really move on these bills. But um, also coming up this weekend in Arizona, um, uh, we we also want arizona to deliver for voting rights uh and, and senators uh like senator cinema to deliver on voting rights to, as she's one of the holdout senators but um this saturday january 15th at 9 a.m uh arizona organizers would, would join to to again urge on the senate to pass this legislation um because again we've delivered for bridges and roads and trains uh and infrastructure and now it's our time to deliver for democracy um, so this weekend will be filled with events, uh, not celebrating, but really urging uh, our Congress to, to live up to Dr. King's legacy uh, and to push forward on this legislation and deliver for voting rights. That's awesome. And it's great that you all are working with the King family. I know that Yolanda King, who's also one of the youngest members of the Martin Luther King uh, family, is definitely taking action. And I think she's like 13 years old. So way to go, Gen Z. Um, we're going to continue talking about voting rights and hear more about what's happening with redistricting and the Freedom to Vote Act um, coming soon, and also dig into how this fight um, also includes the fight for D.C. statehood. So um, I think we have one more minute on the clock. Um, oh, you know, Edwith, actually, I was just going to ask you uh, oh. if that is, if you're on a basketball court. Uh <laughs> I hear a little chirp in the background. I am not on a basketball court. I'm just at my mother's house that has an alarm system that's annoying. <laughs> yeah. my, my dog is literally like freaking out. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. My no, mom you're good. just you're good. likes to be super safe. It's weird because I don't even hear it anymore. All right, we're going to be right back. We're going <laughs> to go to our commercial and we'll continue talking about my mom's alarm system. <laughs> we'll be right back after this commercial break to the Generation Progress takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall and we'll be sure to share your tweets.
If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at lesliemarshallshow.com. Welcome back to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I am your co-host, Charlotte Hancock. And I'm your other co-host, Edwith Theogene. Hi, Edwith. Hello. We're back. We're back. Okay. So uh, today we are talking about the Freedom to Vote Act, uh, actions being taken uh, related to voting rights in the lead up to MLK Day to honor his legacy with action, um, and how voting rights reform could impact the upcoming 2022 midterm elections. Um, so I want to give a special welcome back to our two expert guests. We've got Catherine Rowland from the Progressive Caucus Action Fund. Catherine, welcome back. And Jamal Holtz uh, from 51 for 51 Statehood by camp- from the 51 for 51 Statehood Statehood campaign. <laughs> welcome back, Jamal. Thanks for having hey, y'all. me. Thanks for joining. Um, so Jamal, I'm gonna kick the, the this first question um, for the segment back over to you. Just before this, we were talking about um, the fight for voting rights um, and DC statehood. Can you can you sort of uh, like draw out for our listeners here um, how the fight for voting rights is connected to the fight for DC statehood? Um, like how, how, like why are these two things being talked about together? Yeah, no, and, and um, I, th- I think one of the things that we always miss when we're talking about D.C. statehood is the fact that it is a voting rights issue, and and in light of the, um, in light of the conversations now around voting rights and passing uh, two important pieces of legislation in the halls of Congress right now, uh, we got to be reminded that there are seven hundred thousand plus Americans who do not have a vote on those most two those two pressing pieces of legislation to help advance our democracy. Um, so as, as we're talking about voter suppression happening across the country, we also have to talk about the voter suppression happening right here in our nation's capital, where um, we're, we're living in the shadows of democracy. Uh, our nation's founding creed was uh, um, we the people, and, and we ended that document with saying we're the land of the free and the home of the brave. Uh, and, and there are American citizens who aren't free uh, and are treated like second-class citizens, and those are people who live in Washington, D.C. Uh, we were founded on the principles of no taxation without representation. Uh, so for us to turn around as a country and do the same exact thing that our founding fathers didn't want us to do, uh, it's, it's a stain on our democracy and a stain on our country's history. Uh, and for over 200 years, uh, uh, residents in Washington, D.C., who are the highest paying tax, who are the highest taxpaying residents in the country, do not have a refund check in, 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 in the say on how their dollars are spent uh, in the halls of Congress. And we're oftentimes not just treated as a second class citizen, but we're oftentimes a second thought. Uh, and we saw that um, with the COVID response and everything else. So um, it, this is a voting rights issue. Lack of lack of uh, not having a vote on, on, on legislation and that impacts every American, including DC residents is important. Preach. That is absolutely right. And I, I feel that as somebody who moved from a U.S. territory to the District of Columbia, it's, feel, it's felt like I've never been able to vote for um, or be accurately represented um, in this country uh, in the same way um, as people who live um, in the U.S. 50 states do. So uh, thank you for that. And thanks for your work on that. Um, 
So uh, there is another reason um, I'm thinking here about uh, like federal legislation. Again, there is another reason that the Freedom to Vote Act needs to be passed as soon as possible. Um, and that reason is redistricting. So um, Catherine, you mentioned this and you were as you were sort of like running through some of the things that the Freedom to Vote Act would do, some of the many incredible things that the Freedom to Vote Act would do. Um, and at a high level, what is redistricting? Um, and when does it happen? Sure, so I'll start with when. Um, redistricting happens every 10 years in conjunction with the census. The current redistricting process began in earnest once the Census Bureau released state-by-state -state population data, which determined how many House seats would be apportioned to each state for the next 10 years. We do this in order to account for the changes to the country's population that have occurred over the past decade. So, for example, if a state's population grows significantly over 10 years, that state might be allotted additional seats in the House of Representatives to ensure that all of those people are represented. And by the same token, if a state's population shrinks, that state might lose seats in the House. Cool. Thank you so much for walking us through that, Catherine. Um, so. Catherine, you recently authored an explainer called Opportunities for Redistricting Reform on this topic. Um, what are some of the reforms that need to make the redistricting process more fair? Yeah, so to answer that, let me back up for a second and talk about um, one of the main problems with the process right now that we touched on briefly, that's partisan gerrymandering. Mm -hmm. and for those who don't know when a map is gerrymandered, it's drawn with the express purpose of improving a party's electoral prospects. And gerrymandering is really bad because it allows parties that don't have the majority support of the people to draw themselves into a majority of seats in the legislature. So politicians are able to choose their voters when it should be the other way around. And it's not just bad for democracy, like in principle, it can also disenfranchise communities, especially communities of color. Um, and I can give an example for that. The new map for Republican controlled Ohio carves up largely black Democratic communities in Hamilton County around Cincinnati into districts that include white Republicans from rural areas. So by breaking these communities into separate districts, the Ohio GOP makes those districts safer for Republicans and makes it harder for those black democratic communities to elect the candidates of their choice. And there are so many examples like this, and we can address them by passing the Freedom to Vote Act and prohibiting partisan gerrymandering. Yeah, I mean, this is also something that's happening, that we see happening in Georgia as well. So this is definitely a threat throughout the country. And the whole aspect, one piece of um, redistricting that some folks don't talk about is like, as we draw the districts, it determines what kind of funding and resources certain communities have. So if folks are left out of the census or um, their districts are being shifted and gerrymandered in this way, it not only affects like voting and elections, but it also affects like who gets access to what and all different kinds of resources. Um, the next question that I have, which is like, in line with this. So you basically talked about like, let's connect the dots, right? Like if states have already begun the redistricting process and they've created these new maps, like you talked about in Ohio, like we're seeing happening in Georgia and like other places, um, could passing the Freedom to Vote Act now still have an impact? We know that the Freedom to Vote Act um, addresses sort of redistricting and fights and protects against gerrymandering, but like what would happen if let's say the Freedom to Vote Act were passed tomorrow? 
Yeah, so like I mentioned, um, it does apply to maps that have already been finalized by the states for 2022, and it expedites the court process um, if those maps are challenged under the Freedom to Vote Act. But, you know, it's we're, we're coming up on, on a midterm election less than a year away. We have time, but we don't have that much time. And so it's it's really, really important that we pass the Freedom to Vote Act ASAP so that these new fairer maps can be drawn in time for the midterms. Yeah, the urgency. I think both you and Jamal have definitely um have definitely talked about like why this is so urgent and why this is so important and especially now for 2022. So I guess the big question that we have too is that we've all talked about the filibuster and yesterday Biden called on the Senate to to change the filibuster rules if needed to pass voting rights legislation. We also have Senator Schumer who've created this deadline saying like get it done. Um, what are the next steps for the Senate passing this bill, Catherine? Yeah, so I will do my best to explain this without getting too into the weeds of Senate procedure. Um, right oh, now, goodness. And we also have to do it in like two minutes because yeah, we have a break. <laughs> but it. go for it. Well, right now, the Senate filibuster can block debate on the Freedom to Vote Act from even beginning. And Jamal rightly mentioned before that the modern day filibuster took root during the Jim Crow era when racist Southern senators used it to delay the passage of important civil rights legislation. Senate Majority Leader Schumer has said that if Republicans continue to prevent debate on the Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, he will hold a vote to reform the Senate's rules so that the filibuster, this relic of the Jim Crow era, doesn't prevent the people's elected representatives in Washington from debating and voting on those two important bills. And he has said that will happen by Monday, Martin Luther King Day. Wow. Wow. You did that so quickly. <laughs> I know. I'm so impressed. So I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> I'm having wow. to come explain everything uh, related to democracy to like my family from now on. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you, Catherine. And thanks, Jamal, um, for everything um, that you guys have sort of like walked us through and talked us through this segment. We're just about to head to a commercial break. Um, when we come back, Jamal, I want to pick up on the filibuster thread um, and see if there's anything else you want to touch base on um, when it comes to that. Uh, everybody, you are listening to Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. We will be right back after this commercial break. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm your co-host, Charlotte Hancock. And I'm your other co-host, Edwith Theogene. All right. So we're in our final segment of the show for today. Um, and we are talking um, with our awesome guests here um, about access to voting rights, Freedom to Vote Act, um, the actions being taken this upcoming um, MLK Day weekend. 
um, and also how voting rights reform could impact the 2022 midterms. Um, so I want to give a special welcome back back to our guests, Catherine Rowland and Jamal Holtz. Uh, Jamal, just before the commercial break, um, we're asking Catherine um, about the filibuster. So uh, we'll refresh her for folks yesterday. Biden called on the Senate to change filibuster rules if needed to pass voting rights legislation. Um, Jamal, is there anything else you wanted to add on the filibuster um, and what comes next uh, when it comes to um, reforming the filibuster? I mean, I, when we're talking about reforming the filibuster, we also have to talk about the, the reasons why the filibuster was created. Uh, and, and folks like to call it a Senate rule, but it's more so just a, uh, a Senate political tool rather than a rule. It's not written anywhere. Uh, it's not a must do. It's not in the Constitution. It's not a must. Uh, it, w it was rooted out of racism. Uh, and and it, it was to oppose uh, some of the, the bills and legislations that were advancing our democracy and advancing our country. Um, we saw we saw some of the longest running filibusters be a to filibuster and talk against the uh, civil rights, uh, civil rights and voting rights act. Uh, and and as we as we reflect on the, the reasons why the filibuster was created, um, we should no longer relegate to to the the racist history that uh, that has been imposed in the Senate. Uh, it, it's not a rule, and we we must stop calling it a rule. And I, I think as we move forward in our democracy, um, we have to restructure the Senate in a way where uh, we're delivering for we're delivering on behalf of what majority of Americans want. Majority of Americans want voting rights legislation. Wants to protect the right to vote. Uh, and want to be able to do so uh, and not allow the filibuster that has blocked anti-lynching bills and and, and and those things that were rooted into racism and subjugation uh, stop us from reaching true progress. So the filibuster should not stop us. Um, and I'll say one more thing about the filibuster. It is rooted in the subjugation because when you when you look at the 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 uh you, when you look at the past six years and what the filibuster has been used for it and it's partly why we started this campaign 51 for 51 was that the filibuster was was used uh the the was changed and got rid of many different times by uh senate majority leader mitch mcconnell at the time uh because he wanted to advance the legislation in the nominations that were popular within this party uh so we got to start putting people over party and not allow this uh, Jim Crow relic to, to, to take control of what uh, and how we uh, deliver for the American people. Say that there's like so so many incredible things that you touched on there, Jamal, um, and that reminded me. Uh, yesterday, I think Representative Alma Adams tweeted that from 1917 to 1994, half of the bills that were successfully filibustered in the Senate were civil rights legislation. That's the legacy of the filibuster. So, uh, like the that like just that stat on um, the that, what sort of like the legacy is of the filibuster um, and the racist roots of the filibuster. Like it's <laughs> it's, it's not done. No. We're still going. You know. Exactly. So exactly. yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So uh, I think you know. People now. People have the info. They know what's happening. They know what we're fighting for. Um, let's give them. Uh, let's give our listeners an opportunity to take action here. Um, for the people who want to learn more about the Freedom to Vote Act, 
uh, or redistricting um, or who want to get involved in the actions being taken this MLK Day. Um, Catherine, I'm going to ask you first, uh, where should they go? And then Jamal, um, same question for you. I um, would love to get resources from each of you on this. Sure. So if folks would like to read my explainer on the Freedom to Vote Act and its implications for redistricting in particular, they can visit our website, which is progressivecaucusactionfund.org. It's available right there on the homepage. Um, and I'll let Jamal speak to opportunities to get involved this Monday. Yeah, as mentioned, we, we have actions in, in uh, uh, Arizona this weekend, but also the, the, the action on MLK Day. Uh, as again, the stakes are high right now. So we're asking folks to call your senator uh, and tell them that we, we must eliminate the filibuster to protect our right to vote. Uh, and you can do so by calling at 1-888-408-2349. Uh, but you can also visit uh, the, the King's Family Campaign to Deliver for Voter Rights uh, camp, uh, website, which is deliverforvotingrights.com. Uh, and F4 is F-O-R, deliver F-O-R, votingrights.com. Awesome. And we are also a proud partner of the campaign for Deliver for Voting Rights um, that's happening. And if folks are interested in learning more about the Freedom to Vote Act, how it impacts young people and their vote, as well as other bills like the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, please check out generationprogress.org. Um, and I just wanted to make one note about the filibuster as well, like the filibuster, reforming the filibuster, abolishing the filibuster is critical and important for us to pass voting rights legislation. But it's also important for us to pass any legislation in Congress, right? Like all of us went to the polls during, um, you know, the 2020 election and we, you know, under the threat of like a global pandemic, which is still rearing its head and we're still at threat of that. But for all of the things that we have been asking for and need, like all of the great things that are part of Build Back Better, um, all of the things that we've been asking for in terms of addressing climate change, all of those legislations are basically sitting at the floor of the Senate and going nowhere because of the filibuster. So the House has done its job in terms of passing a lot of critical, important legislation, and the Senate needs to do their job, but they can't do that with the filibuster in place. So that's really something important to think about. Um, it's not just voting rights, even though it's super, super important. Um, so with all of that being said, Catherine and Jamal, like what should people be calling the representatives for and asking them? I know Jamal, you, you did a plug about the filibuster, but is there anything else that you all would like to support folks um, or encourage folks to, to have conversations about? Yeah, I think- Oh, go ahead. Thanks. Um, I would I would agree with Jamal that folks ought to call their senators, voice their support for getting rid of the filibuster um, and asking them to support both the Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. Um, and frankly, any other legislation that is important to folks. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people are perhaps intimidated by the idea of calling up their elected officials um, and asking for what they want. But it's it's such a simple and quick action um, that's really, really easy to do. And um, it, I, I would just encourage folks not to let this be the only time that they do it. Um, make your voices heard. That's that's why those offices are there. Yeah. And, and I will add, it, it's, it's calling your representative and senators um, that in the past that has really helped us move forward on a lot of issues and, and pieces of legislations 
uh, and movements. I mean, in addition to this weekend call for voter rights and the two pieces of legislation, uh, I, I am also going to take the opportunity to really speak to the disenfranchisement right here in the District of Columbia that the fight for D.C. statehood is also a voting rights fight and that it cannot just be on the back of D.C. residents to talk about it. Uh, unfortunately, D.C. residents have to rely on other American citizens to, to express their interests and other senators to express their interests. So we're asking folks to also call your senator and, and, and tell them to push forward on D.C. statehood because like any other issue around D.C. statehood, um, uh, we have to get Senate approval. And I think this is, is an American fight and not just a D.C. fight. Awesome. Thanks so much, y'all. So um, with our, our final few minutes of this show, uh, where can people go to get more information about you and your organization? And Catherine? Yeah, I hope folks will visit the Progressive Caucus Action Fund's website at progressivecaucusactionfund.org. And they can get updates on what's happening on this issue and other issues on our Twitter account, which is we act for the number four progress. Excellent. I just feel like we can't uh, say the websites often enough. I feel like people, you know, I don't catch it the first time myself. So <laughs> Jamal, um, where can folks go to find more info about you and your org? Uh, I mean, I, I have my own website, jamalhotes.com, but also 51for51.org uh, uh, is, is our statehood campaign. Awesome. Well, that is just about all the time that we have for today. Thank you again to um, today's guests, Catherine Rowland uh, and Jamal Holtz, to our producer, Mark Grimaldi. Um, and I want to say an extremely special, fabulous thank you to our communications manager, Emily Leach, senior communications manager, Emily Leach. Uh, this is her last show with us. Um, we're going to miss her ever so much. Um, she's going on to a new opportunity. Um, and to all of our listeners, make sure you check us out on Twitter and Instagram using the handle at Gen Progress. We'll talk to you again uh, in a few weeks.